was told that he would come and the race he would run it would end on an old rugged cross but when they laid him in the tomb the powerful lord went in that room
taller than Brother Ken for the first time in my life. Amen. Uh, thank you so much, uh, church. Love that song. That was my mama's favorite hymn, so I appreciate that this morning, Brother Ken. I want to give you a couple of uh, quick requests this morning. Uh, pray for, if you would, Sister Connie Thacker's cousin, Deborah Shoup. Uh, she's had a strokes in critical condition, young in her early 50s. That's young. Say amen. Got two young children. Pray for her, if you would. Uh, continue to pray for Sister Debbie Clark. She, uh, I think it's okay. I think she, for me to share this, she received a cancer, lung cancer diagnosis. Uh, but we're going to pray God touch her. We've seen in our own congregation how the healing hand of God can beat any diagnosis that a doctor can give. And so we ask you to begin joining our brother uh, uh, Clark and Sister Debbie as well uh, for miraculous and divine healing. Lots of requests were shared in Sunday school this morning. Let's go to the throne room now and ask God's presence. Brother Tim, you take us to the throne of grace, if you would. Brother Helbert, pray for us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, God, we want to thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be in your house this morning. Yeah. Yeah. We want to thank you, God, for each person that's made the effort to be here today, Lord. For the prayer request that's been mentioned this morning, God, we just ask, Lord, your will be done. We ask, God, for your will to be to heal these folks, Lord. And Lord, we all look forward to the day when cancer is not even a word. It's in our vocabulary. God, if that were your will, that could happen. Lord, we just pray that you'll be with these people as they go through this battle, God, and just give them an extra measure of grace, God. Just snuggle up to them and show them your love, God, and let them know that you're there with them. We thank you, God, for the love that you do show us every day. It's undeserved, and God, we're just so unworthy of it. I pray, God, most of all, that you will be here this morning in service. Lord, if there is someone here that doesn't know you as their Savior, I pray, God, that you will touch that heart, that you will not let them leave this building today without coming to your saving grace. I thank you, God, for what you do for us, and I pray, Lord, you'll be with Brother Greg as he brings a message this morning. Lord, just speak through him. Just move him out of the way, God, and touch our hearts and use him to, to let us hear what we need to hear today, God. We thank you, God, for all you do for us on a daily basis. We thank you, God, for loving us and for keeping us. We ask all this in your precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. One of my favorite verses in Scripture. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus. There is something powerful about the name of Jesus. Amen. You listen to the choir this morning. I hope it blesses your heart. At the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus, since chains are broken, the Oh 
Steve and Miss Robin here with us today. Of course, uh, Miss Robin graciously sang at Nick and Lydia's wedding on Friday, and uh, we asked them to stay, and they gladly did so. And anytime we've got her here, we're going to have her sing. She's my kind of singer. She doesn't S I N G, she S A N G. She sings, and I like it. I love to hear her sing, and I love this song. It's one of my favorites that Kyla's ever written. It's called Something's Happening. I hope it'll bless your heart. You listen to us this morning. God's good to you. Say amen. amen. We're going to do it again. Here we go, man.
He was born in Bethlehem. Shepherds declared that angels announced his birth and that caused a stir. When men came asking, where is he that is born of the Jews? We've seen his star and have come to worship him. Herod was filled with wrath. The babe is now a man teaching a new doctrine with compassion and authority. The people are following him. The chief priests and elders are outraged. There is a mob outside of Pilate's hall today. Something's happening. Something's happening in Pilate's hall. On a porch, Pilate pleads with an angry mob in this man called can find no fault. Something's happening in Pilate's home. I watched as his beaten, disfigured body fell from the load of the cross. His mother ran to him, but the soldiers pushed her away. I heard the hammer fall, and I knew the nails had been driven. He was on the cross. The scoffers kept chanting. I heard him speak words of forgiveness. There was a darkness over the earth and a great earthquake. Then I heard him cry from the cross, it is finished. We watched him die, but somewhere deep within my being, I know that this is not over.
you believe that this morning, say amen. amen. Boy, that's good. Aren't you glad to know a risen Savior today? Choir, you make your way down. Miss Renee, you play for us. Uh, and we've got several announcements to go over with you today as the choir comes down. Thank you so much, church. Appreciate you being here on this Sunday morning. Let me run over some quick announcements with you. And I want to start by uh, just on behalf of Brother Ken and his family and myself and our family expressing our appreciation and our thanks for the help that we had this past week and your attendance Friday night for those who were able to be here. Uh, I can never thank you all enough for how good you were to us this week and your help. Uh, whether you stayed or just came, whatever you did, we are so, so grateful. You pray for those two kids, uh, that the Lord will bless them and uh, uh, their new life together. And again, we, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for your kindness uh, that you showed to our family these two weeks or this week. We appreciate it so very much. Right after services today. Uh, Miss Lisa needs to meet with the ladies. We'll do that right over here, Oregon side. Please note in your bulletin that uh, we have a new item for the final quarter of this year for our Grace Network program. For those of you who may be relatively new for us here at the church, we participate with Grace Network Ministries. Uh, they're one church, one item program to help uh, cure hunger in our community. And so our item for the month is listed. We have two, for the quarter I should say, we have two collection places in both entrances. Keep that in mind. And then, of course, next Sunday morning, boy, we're looking forward to this. This is our fifth. Uh, this is our twelfth annual concert with the Wisnets. They'll be with us next Sunday morning, beginning at ten forty-five. As always, when they're here with us, there'll be no Sunday school. They use that time to get set up, so our services will begin at ten forty-five. Uh, you invite your family, invite your friends. We love these folks. They're precious to us. We've watched these boys grow up, and now they're young men, and God's using them in a miraculous way. So you be here next Sunday morning if you would. Of course, uh, Civil Servant Sunday is coming up as well. Those letters will be going out this week. Please mark your calendars for that. This is our time once a year when we invite all of our local law enforcement personnel to our church, and we love on them for what they do for us and for our community. Uh, we feed them. We make all over them to let them know how much we appreciate them. I know folks at my church hear me say this all the time, but I think we ought to take care of those who run to what we run away from. And so we'll do that on November the 18th, Civil Servant Sunday. Don't forget, this coming Saturday is uh, our nursing home ministry at Blue Ridge up in Stewart. Brother Delmas Roar leading that. That begins at 3 p.m., right, Brother? 3 p.m. 
keep that if you would. Still looking for a couple more volunteers uh, for our Grace Network Pumpkin Patch. We help them out in that capacity as part of our ministry there with Grace Network. Uh, we've got several already signed up, but I need a few more that would sign up on for October the 22nd. Sign up is in the postal area. No practice today. No evening services tonight. I'm doing that because of so many folks who helped us this weekend. Uh, Brother Ken also told me I'd, he'd give me $100 if I did that. And, 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 and his wife said she'd match it and double down on it. Amen. Uh, but again, from the bottom of my heart, uh, uh, hey, after this weekend, we need it. Amen. <laughs> so do you. Uh, from the bottom of our heart, church, we can't thank you enough, and we appreciate you so very much. So, young people, if you're heading to Children's Church or Junior Church, come on and make your way down this morning. Children's Church or Junior Church, come make your way down. If you're visiting, they're going to come around and collect any loose change you've got. We call this our Penny March, uh, and uh, this helps support our children's programming here at the church. Take off, young folks.
not going to bore you with a bunch of stories from this week, but I want to share with you one thing that will put a smile on your face. So we're at the uh, uh, reception area uh, getting set up, and I've got Nick helping me unload a lot of things. We're going back and forth to the car. Uh, I need to preface this by telling you that when they left Friday, they just went to their house uh, and spent the night there, left yesterday morning for their honeymoon. So uh, he says, Pastor Greg, i got a question to ask you. And I thought, oh, sweet Jesus. <laughs> oh, Lord. He said, you know, Lydia and I aren't leaving until Saturday. I said, yes. He said, you think she'd mind if I got up Saturday morning and went hunting before, she, before we left? <laughs> I said, buddy, there's a lot of things I don't know, but this I do know. You ain't doing that. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, fellas, come on and make your way down this morning. Make your way down this morning. Brother Scott, you come get ready to sing for us. You be obedient unto the Lord with his tithes and your offerings, and God will bless you for that. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Merry heart doeth good like medicine. We're so glad to be able to come together with fellow believers in Jesus Christ in this church, your house, and worship your son together. Bless the offering. May it be what you'd have it to be. Brother Scott, as he sings, we'll thank you and praise you. In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For so long, God's children look toward the heavens watching and listening for the trumpet to sound we're all kind of homesick we're anxiously waiting for that glorious morning We've climbed many mountains in our journey toward home. Soon the race will be finished, triumphant we will rise. Oh, what a day when we meet Him in those eastern Soon he is coming. 
Stand together one more time. Page 246, Redeemed, How I Love to Proclaim It. We'll do that first verse, course, have a time of fellowship. Page 246. Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy, His child and forever I am. Redeemed, redeemed, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed, redeemed, His child and forever I am. Amen. Shake hands a while.
mark that on the right-hand side of your bulletin, far right-hand side. We have the place there if you are not on our call system and text messaging system to receive church updates and you'd like to be added or you'd like to add your cell phone so that you can receive the texting updates. Uh, if you will simply write your name there and the phone number you'd like to use, we'll be glad to add you to the system. You can drop that in the offering plate and the ushers will make sure that that gets taken care of. Fellas, make your way down. Ladies, come get ready to sing for us. First Sunday of every month is Mission Sunday here at the church. And that means uh, that, uh, yeah, this is a new trio. Yeah. You don't need Renee's brother. My mistake. Uh, that means that uh, in addition to what you give every Sunday, we also put 13% of tithes and offerings towards our missions. And we appreciate the opportunity and your faithfulness. Lord, bless the missions offering. Lord, bless each missionary that is supported by the generosity of the saints here at SAGBC. Bless the trio as they sing, and then our preaching to come in Christ's name. Amen.
heavenly Father owns everything. How does it feel to know you are loved by the one who created the stars above? How does it feel to know you're all right when you lay your head on your pillow each night and know that it's real? Any good to know how it feels? How does it Awesome. Get us a bus, and I'm the manager. Amen. Thank you, Miss Robin. Thank you, ladies, Dr. Godwin, Miss Lisa. In your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to two places with us. Chapter Deuteronomy chapter 32 and Isaiah chapter 40. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and Isaiah chapter number 40. While you're turning there. I've been sharing some stories with you, in fact, two thus far, one that happened to Renee and myself, one that happened here at the church. I have a third one to share. Renee sent me a text and a picture this week of something Brother Carl Ratliff had sent. You see, adding to the theme that we've experienced the last couple of weeks, Brother Carl had been working a lot of crazy hours at work and had come home to take an afternoon nap, I believe. And as he crawls or goes into his bedroom, pulls the covers down, he sees sticking out from under his pillow a snake. <laughs> Renee sent me that, and I first thing I said, a rubber snake or a real snake? And she responded with a picture that said, oh yeah, it's real. I was chatting with Brother Carl at the wedding, and I said, Brother, I understand your house is up for sale. He said, Yep, April's ready to start packing now. (laughs) My favorite part of the story was when he said, "Uh, Preacher, it's a good thing I didn't have my gun in my hand, or otherwise I'd be patching up some holes in the house. (laughs) Deuteronomy chapter 32 this morning. I want to read verses 9 through 11, and then we'll flip over to Isaiah chapter 40. We'll begin in Deuteronomy 32. If you have found your place, say amen. For the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is the lot of his inheritance. He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness. He led him about instructed him, he kept him as the apple of his eye. Verse 11, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, beareth them on her wings, so the Lord alone did lead him. There was no strange God with him. Please keep your place there. Flip to Isaiah chapter 40. We'll pick up in verse number 29. 
Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. He giveth power to the faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. And then verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence this morning. Lord, it's already just been good to be in your house. Lord, we come to the part of the day that is so vitally important, not because I'm doing it, but because you ordained the foolishness of preaching. Lord, I believe this is the outline that you've laid upon my heart. Now I pray that you'd move us out of the way. May I not say anything that you don't want me to say, but say everything that you need to be said this morning. Forgive us for unconfessed sin that would hamper the preaching of your word. And Lord, has already been prayed this morning. Lord, I humbly ask if there's a lost soul here, may this be the hour of their salvation. And Lord, may the message this morning draw all believers closer to you to fight the good fight of faith. Well, thank you. We'll praise you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 32 is correctly referred to as the Song of Moses. When you begin to read it verse by verse, it is beautifully written in what we understand today as poetic language. There's a lot of similes, there's a lot of metaphors, there's a lot of uh, uh, poetry language embedded throughout Deuteronomy chapter 32. And sometimes, because of the poetic language, the meaning can sometimes get a little bit lost because of the beauty of the words and how they're written. When you go a verse-by-verse analysis of chapter 32, you understand that in the first couple of verses, Moses is singing or writing about the character of God. And then he spends a few verses writing about the character of God. Of Israel. If I could paraphrase what Moses talks about in the first few verses, he says, Our God is an amazing God. And then he references the nation of Israel and he says, The nation of Israel are an adulterous, wicked people. He's one of them. He can talk about them that way. And then he switches gears and talks about how good to Israel despite their failures. Let me say that again. He talks about how incredibly good the God of this universe is to the nation of Israel despite how often they fail their God. When you get down to the verse that we just read, he references and compares the tender loving care that he embodies to Israel uh, as an eagle stirring up the nest. 
using that poetic language. He talks about how God in his infinite goodness and in his love and in his desire to be a blessing to Israel doesn't leave them like they are, but he stirs up the nest much like an eagle does as it's time for the eaglet to fly. Then when we turn to Isaiah chapter 40, we read the words of that prophet some 700 years before the birth of Christ. And in chapter 40, he too uses a lot of poetic language to talk about the relationship between God and the nation of Israel. Let me be very blunt when I say this. The, the analysis, the direction, the, the reality is this is all about Israel. However, may I give you an application? For whenever we see uh, the reality of God loving Israel despite their flaws, uh, we can use the application uh, of Jesus loving his bride despite our flaws. And in referencing that relationship and talking about the love of God for Israel uh, and by application uh, the love of God for the church or the love of Christ for the church, uh, he gives us that verse that many of us have committed to memory. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Twice in the Old Testament, God, in referencing Israel, talks about how the relationship between the eagle and the eaglet. Now, you know this. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard a preacher say this. Nothing in the Word of God is there by accident. Everything's inspired. I don't believe that just the ideas are inspired. I'm old-fashioned enough to believe that the words are inspired, the letters are inspired. I think every jot and every tittle of the Bible you hold in your lap is God-breathed, inerrant, infallible, and perfect. So if you take that assumption, we have to ask ourselves, why the eagle? Why did he not refer to us as the cardinal or the hawk or some other creature, some other bird? Why is it that in referencing the relationship between God and Israel and by default us and our God or Jesus, he talks about the eagle? I believe that there is a powerful lesson for all of us this morning. Because I submit to you that God did not save us to dwell in the gutters of sin. I've said many times in talking about Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son that ended up in the pig pen. There are far too many believers today that God saves out of the pig pen that end up right back slopping the hogs that God saved him out of. When God saves us and lifts us out, he does not save us to return to the pig pen, but rather sets us on a rock and sets our sight on a heavenly journey. So I want to give you a message this morning that looks at that relationship and simply is entitled, Mount Up with the Eagles. Mount Up with the Eagles. I will give you a moment of confession uh, if you've been in this church for any length of time, this is a favorite topic. I like to preach about the eagle. 
But I will thank you, sister. I will tell you uh, that this is an entirely different direction. And I'll tell you where I got the idea from. Several weeks ago, I'm laying in bed, and I will be candid. I have a very difficult time falling asleep most nights, and so I read. And if I get really bored and I really can't go to sleep, I'll go read something really boring. So I stumbled upon the Smithsonian's website. Don't ask me why and don't judge. And I ended up uh, on the Museum of Natural History page. And so I began scrolling through some topics uh, that I had preached on in the past. Cedars of Lebanon, uh, the, the, the palm tree. And I punched in, or in my iPhone, I typed in eagle, uh, and I began to read page after page after page about the wonder of the design of the eagle. The more I read, the more I realized that it was no accident that God didn't call us a cardinal. He didn't use a hawk. He didn't use a blue jay. But in referencing his chosen people and by application the church, he calls us to be eagles. So let me say to you this morning, let's mount up together. Three things that I want us to look at. Number one, note with me, if you would, the eagles... The eagles make up. The eagles make up. One of the first things that struck me is I began to read this very secular study, this very secular, scientifically worded uh, uh, research was that this eagle is fearfully and wonderfully made. In fact, I will, during the course of the message this morning, be reading to you some things that I pulled directly out of the article because if I didn't do it, you wouldn't believe that it said it. Note with me in the makeup of this eagle that the design is absolutely incredible. Here's what the article said. The eagle is the fastest creature in the air. The eagle's eyesight is astounding. Not only does it have tremendous speed, but its eyesight is unlike any other creature in the animal kingdom. In fact, if I may quote, at an elevation of 10,000 feet, which is two miles almost, the eagle can see a rabbit in the forest. And within a matter of seconds, that eagle will fall out of the sky at a rate of over 100 miles per hour and snatch up that rabbit. So that you can understand the analysis of this, uh, Patrick Henry Community College is as the crow flies about two miles from here. That would be like me standing here uh, on this platform or standing up there on the stage uh, and seeing in my office at Patrick Henry Community College uh, a little marble. And in a matter of seconds, uh, be able to swoop down and snatch up that marble uh, and be back to my nest in a matter of five seconds. It's an astounding feat of design. I say to you again that the eagle is strong. It has been known to kill antelopes weighing upwards of 50 pounds. They are without a doubt fearfully and wonderfully made. May I pause a moment and say uh, that as God's people made in God's image, uh, we too, church, are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
Too many believers today walk around with their heads hung low thinking that God somehow made a mistake in how they created them. Thinking that God somehow messed up and how he made them look or how he made them feel. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you are like me and there are things about yourself you wish you can change? But I am reminded that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You say, preacher, I don't have super strength. No, but if you're a child of God, you got the power of a risen Savior living inside of you. Preacher, I don't have super eyesight. No, but you've got the Holy Ghost of God dwelling inside of you, which means you've got power beyond description this morning. Their design. Now it's not only their design, but their diet. Again, if I may quote the article, the eagle's size and strength is not derived from a diet of, quote, dead, rotten meat. Let me say that again. The eagle does not scavenge for dead meat. The eagle's strength comes from fresh meat. In fact, in order for it to reach its maximum capacity, its maximum size, it is daily required that the eagle feast on a diet high in protein. For without the diet high in protein, the eagle becomes weak and unable to fly and unable to fight. I say to you this morning that far too many believers are feasting on the rotten meat of this world. There are, amen, there are far too many believers today who are living in the muck and the mire. They're feasting on the sins of this world, not realizing that sin brings joy temporarily. But for those of us that have taken a sip of everlasting water, we recognize that though the water is everlasting, we need a daily dose every day to be in touch with God. The eagle's design, the eagle's diet. Notice, thirdly, if you would, the eagle's direction. I must tell you that there are several parts of the article that I read that gave me goosebumps on top of goosebumps. This is one of them. Pardon me for reading directly, but I think you will get a blessing if I can show you exactly what the secular scientist wrote. One of the great designs of the eagle occurs when an eagle faces a storm. Most animals seek out a place to hide during a storm, but not an eagle. Quote, an eagle challenges the storm. He will walk literally right into the midst of the storm, and in order to get ahead and above, he will look in the direction of where he last saw the sun. And as the storm... Oh, amen. And as the storm begins to rage and the clouds begin to darken and the lightning pounds and the thunder rolls, none of that distracts him. Why? Quote, because he has his bearing set upon the sun. When the storm becomes intense, that's when, according to the article, the eagle literally mounts up and begins to fly where he last saw the sun. Here's what you need to know. 
and eagle's feathers are heavy and the rain will begin to weigh down those eagle's feathers and as he reaches through the sun and up through the clouds he's in a very difficult situation he's literally hanging on by a thread if the water weights down the feathers too much he will literally drop out of the heavens to the ground but he continues to press through the storm above the clouds piercing through the last one And there he finds the sun. And a miracle happens. Because in that moment, when the wet eagle feathers meet the glaring light of the sun, that eagle has glands beneath the sebaceous elements right underneath his skin that secrete an oil that instantly dries up the water. Here's what the article said. In order to survive the storm... The eagle has got to get to the sun. Yeah, man. Child of God, listen to me this morning. I understand that the storms rage. I understand that the enemy tries to defeat you. But I also understand that for the child of God, we can mount... Mount up like wings of eagles. We don't have to be victims of circumstance. We don't have to let the storm defeat us. Because there is a son, S-O-N, who is ready to apply the Holy Spirit oil and dry out the storms of this life. The diet. The design. The direction. Number four, note with me, the eagle's defense. The eagle's defense. I must tell you that much of what I just shared, I'd read about before. What I'm sharing now was all new to me. I was under the impression that the eagle had no predators except for man. What I learned from the Museum of Natural History of the Smithsonian was that, in fact, the eagle does have one predator, a condor. In fact, we often refer to it as the California Condor, although I also read that that creature doesn't dwell only in California, but most of them do reside in that state boundary. The condor is actually larger than the eagle. That whereas the eagle will typically weigh up to 20 pounds, the condor will weigh in excess of 25 pounds. When you do the math, uh, that's 30% larger than the eagle. The eagle is fast, the condor is faster. The eagle is strong, the condor is stronger. The eagle has a large wingspan, but the condor has an even larger wingspan. The condor hates the eagle. In fact, for whatever reason, the condor is viewed as the eagle's only predator. I had in the back of my mind as I'm reading this article... Good golly, Miss Molly, I bet this eagle can fight like Dickens. I bet this eagle puts up all kinds of scrappiness. I bet this eagle stands up and gives that condor what for. And what I found was just the opposite. Here's what it said. In battle, the condor will try to claw the eagle. But the eagle realizes that the condor's too strong, too powerful, and too fast. So the eagle does not stay and fight, but instead, quote, he mounts up and begins to fly. He doesn't fly to the left. He doesn't fly to the right. 
He flies in one direction. Once again, he flies to the sun. Why? Because as the eagle flies to the sun, the condor chases him. But the eagle was created in ways that the, con- hey man, <laughs> that the condor wasn't. You see, the closer or the further the condor flies, the glare of the sun will begin to burn the retinas of the condor's eyes. But in the majesty of creation, God created the eagle with a special set of transparent eyelids so that he simply mounts up, drops the eyelids, and here's what the article said. Let me read it to you so you can get it. In order to survive the battle, the eagle must go somewhere where the condor can't reside. I don't know about you, but I like that. You see, church, we too have an, we've got an adversary. You've got somebody who's bigger than you are, who's stronger than you are, who knows more than who knows more of the Bible than you do? But may I say to you, when he comes, don't try to fight him. Don't try to tackle him. You can't handle him. But there's some place you can go where he is not welcome. Amen. The makeup of the eagle. Notice, secondly, this morning, not only the makeup of the eagle, but the mating of the eagle. The mating of the eagle. You'll forgive me. I got to read some stuff to you. My mind was blown as I began to read. Their courtship is incredible. Eagles mate for life. We could park right there, but when a male finds a willing female, he'll join her in the air and they'll lock claws. He'll put his wings around her and they will drop out of the sky as if they've been shot. She'll never attempt to get away. She'll never struggle. She puts her life in his wings. When they get to treetop level, he will throw open his wings. She will throw open her wings and they will fly back to the top of the sky. They'll lock claws again. This time, she'll put her wings around him. He'll put his life into her wings. Biologists struggled for years to understand this behavior and have now come to the consensus that, quote, they are simply learning to trust each other. When they get almost to the ground, she throws open her wings. He'll throw open his wings, fly back to the top of the sky, lock claws again. The third time they fall, the female eagle will have conceived and they will be committed for life. This is astounding what I'm about to share. The article says the following, quote, Once she has new life within her, her protector will never be far away. No matter where she goes, he will always be somewhere in the shadows, keeping a watch over his bride. The exact words Church, I don't know about you, but I think sometimes it feels in this world uh, that we've been abandoned. It feels like God has forgotten us. It feels like the storms are so severe uh, that you can't find God anywhere. Uh, May I say to you this morning uh, that standing somewhere in the shadows, uh, you'll find Jesus. Uh, He's never let go of your hand. Uh, He's never turned a back on one that belongs to him. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, uh, how I loved him more and more. Notice, not only 
their courtship. Secondly, note with me, if you would, their care. Eagles build a nest together. When the eagle begins to select a nest place, two requirements must be present. Some of you may remember a couple of years ago, we had an eagle up at Ferristone. There was the eagle cam, five miles, ten miles up the road. Uh, and as I began to read this article, I mean, this is three o'clock in the morning I'm doing this now. As I, as I began to read this article, I pulled up everything that happened at Ferrystone, And indeed, uh, matched directly, two things have to be in place. Number one, uh, the eagle will only build a nest in the highest location, usually the top of a tree. The article said, eagles, again, were not created to dwell below. They don't build at nests below. They will only build nests in the highest precipice. But secondly, they will always build a nest by a river or some other source of running water. The eagle's a carnivore. The eagle also knows that in order to survive, there must be life-giving water. May I say to you this morning, church, as God's eagles who've been commanded to mount up, the church, I believe, is our source of life-giving water. We were not created to dwell with the muck and mire below. We've got to be by a place. We've got to be connected to a place where the Word of God is preached, where the sayings of God are sung, so that we continue to soak up the water of life. Their courtship, their care, their children, number three. Eventually, the eagle hatches. The parenting begins. There are two phases. I'm going quickly. Number one, there's the, the imprinting eaglet. The imprinting eaglet. Any of you kids in science, and by the way, I love seeing all you teens up here on the front. Bless your heart. I appreciate that. You kids have heard about imprinting, I guarantee, in biology or psychology. It's a recognized phenomenon in the animal kingdom whereby a new animal uh, shortly after it hatches will imprint upon whatever it comes in contact with. Whether that is the mama, the daddy, or a stuffed animal, or a human, whatever that newborn animal comes in contact with is what it imprints upon. And here's what the article said. During this critical stage of development, eaglets will imprint to their parents and will identify with that species for life. May I say to you this morning, one of my great fears among God's children is we're imprinting to the wrong thing. Amen. We're imprinting to the wrong thing. You see, when God saved us, uh, he made us brand new creatures. We, if, if you'll pardon my English, we ain't what we used to be. We're not everything we ought to be. We're not everything we're going to be. But honey, we ain't what we used to be. And if we continue to be what we used to be before we got saved, we've imprinted onto the wrong thing. There's the imprinting eaglet. Then there's also what is referred to as the fledging eaglet. This gets good. Early on, the parent eaglet caters, parent eagle caters to the eaglet's every need. Food is provided, shredded, and dropped by the parents into the nest. As the eagle grows, parents gradually wean the eaglet and encourage that eaglet to develop survival skills. For short periods of time, the eaglet's left alone, though a parent is never far off. Here's the parent eagles then flutter over the nest, often with food just out of reach. 
Doing so not only demonstrates to the eaglets what their wings can do, but also compels the eaglets to flap the wings as a mechanism to grasp food. Listen, here's what the article said, quote, This process is awkward and uncomfortable for the eaglet. Yet the eagle learning to fly is how it will survive. We've spent a lot of weeks talking about storms here at church. Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night. I've given you, poured my heart into trying to tell you why storms come, where they come from, whether God's trying to protect us, uh, project us, uh, trying to correct us, trying to inspect us. Uh, May I say to you, there are times uh, when the storms come uh, as an opportunity for us to see uh, that we were not created to dwell below, uh, but we were created to literally mount up and soar above the storms. Let me give you the final thing this morning. Number one, I gave you the makeup. Number two, the mating. Finally, number three, the majesty of the eagle. The majesty. You see, we referenced in Deuteronomy that phrase, stirring up the nest. Eventually, the parent decides that it's time for the eagle to leave the nest. The eaglets return less frequently and usually with less food. Here's the thing that is difficult to imagine. The eagle that has killed the rabbits and taken the fur and lined it with the nest while giving the meat to the eaglet, uh, that same parent eagle now comes and pulls out the fur, drops it off to the side, and instead of having a nice bed of moss and fur, uh, they're simply twigs, rocks, and stones. Now the eagle's uncomfortable. Now the eagle cannot eaglet, cannot lay down and be comfortable. The eagle has literally began the process of stirring up the nest. Bewildered, frustrated, confused, the eaglet is forced to move, branch out of the nest, and test her own wings for one reason, survival. Survival. You see, I, I can't help but wonder if the eaglet thinks to itself, Mama, what are you doing? Why are you taking away the good stuff? Why are you casting that aside? Mama, where's the food? Mama, come back. But Mama knows that in order for that eaglet to survive, he's got to learn to fly. Because left alone, that eaglet has no chance. But if that eagle learns to soar, what a life the eagle can live. You know the rest of the story. That nest becomes unbearable. Unbearable. Mama quits returning with food. Another point the article made. Though the, quote, though the eaglet cannot see Mama Eagle... Mama and Daddy always have their eyes on the baby. We can park right there and shout for about an hour, church. Though the baby can't see Mama and Daddy, feels like it's been abandoned, doesn't understand the discomfort of the nest, over in the shadows, Mama and Daddy are always watching out for the eaglet and shooing off every enemy that comes around. Eventually, out of desperation, eagle is forced out of the nest and begins flapping its wings only to discover 
that like the one that gave them life, he too can fly. He too can mount up and soar above the clouds. Stand to your feet this morning. As the Lord did for the Israelites in the desert, He does for us. The image is a beautiful one. We remain the apple of His eye. We weren't created to dwell below. We were created to soar on the wings of eagles. And the message has never been more simple. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'd like to ask you two very quick and simple questions. Number one, Pastor Greg, there's some stirring of the nest at our house. Some things that we're facing that we don't understand. We know God's got it, but we're asking for prayer. Would you lift your hand? My goodness, I'm seeing a lot all over the church. I guess a hundred hands just went up, folks. You can put them down. May I ask you this one simple thing this morning? Step out right now. Come on and make your way to this altar. Come on, step out. Don't worry about if somebody's beside you. They'll get out of the way. Just say, excuse me. Come on, all over. Both sides. Come on, all over. All over. Come on, all the aisles. Come on, all of you that raised your hand. Come on, quickly. Quickly. Second question. Second question. Is there anybody here that would just be honest and say, Pastor Greg, I'm not a believer this morning. I don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's my main issue today. I need to be saved. I promise you I'll not embarrass you, but I want to stop right now and pray for you. Anyone like that, Pastor, I'm not a Christian. Pray for me this morning. Pray for me. Brother Ken, I want you to sing us a verse of invitation. Everybody that raised your hand, you come on and step out right now. Brother Ken, sing for us. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. First verse together all over. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Everybody sing it now. I need thee. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour. everybody. I need thee, oh, I need 
amen. If God's been good to you, say amen. Brother Ken dismisses in prayer. Fellowship with each other. Enjoy your afternoon as family. Brother Ken, pray for us. Heavenly Father, God, as we bow before you this morning, Lord, we just want to thank you for Jesus. God, thank you for the blood that shed on Calvary's cross to save us from our sins. And while we praise you for the fact that we have been fearfully and wonderfully made, God, it's no accident, Lord, as you make the child of God. Father, how we need to run to you, Lord, in times of despair and discouragement. Father, we do thank you, Lord, for our pastor and the message that he brought to us today. Father, there is a soul here today that does not know Christ as Savior. Father, I pray, Lord, you continue to work on them. Father, show them their need for salvation. Father, we do love this place, love the people. God, bless them as we go our separate ways today. Bring us back to our next appointed time. It's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.